Hi, it's always a pleasure and an honor to speak to the family at Cornerstone. And like always, it's been my tradition over the past years to give an update about myself. First, there's two updates. First, I've uh, increased my medical treatment. I'm uh, older now, so I gotta take care of myself. I have psoriasis, and now I soak my hands in dead sea salt. Uh, try to do it every day, and it's sort of been helping out. It's very high in mineral content, okay? So it sort of calms down the skin. The second thing that's uh, kind of important to me, it's also health-related. I'm getting my Moderna booster vaccination uh, at CVS this, this Monday. Okay, you could pray for me that I don't get some wild reaction. Um, you know, I think it'll be okay, but you never know. You never know. Now, I love the theme that Pastor Terry has uh, for this season. It was the way of blessing. It's about blessing. And uh, it's very complicated, actually, biblically, because in uh, society, we have certain uh, perceptions of blessing. Blessing is usually something that you have experienced or something that you have, okay? Let's say you win the lottery, Powerball. Uh, some of you would think that's a blessing, you know? It's, it's a tangible, you know? It's a tangible thing. You get the job that of your dreams, your sport team wins and you're happy. Something has to happen or something has to be experienced in real time or possession. It's material. But blessing can also be that which we would wish to happen, okay? You sneeze, someone says, bless you, okay? Sort of like the counteract, sort of uh, the cold you're getting. What do you wish? Here, here's, here's, here's the questions I would say. In our understanding of blessing, fill in the blank. I am blessed because, okay? I am blessed because that's a tangible thing, okay, that you possess. Or I am blessed when. Doesn't happen, but it's something we wish to happen. Now that's a sort of very common, and I think the predominant understanding of blessing amongst people in uh, America, okay? But what makes this sermon difficult is it's talking about biblical blessing. And biblical blessing expands the Western understanding of blessing. It includes the Western understanding of blessing, it includes that which is tangible, and it includes that which happens to myself, that which desires to happen to myself, but it is much more expansive and much more, I guess, influential of all aspects of our lives than we usually suspect. <clears throat> what makes it difficult when we understand biblical blessing is that there are actually two different terms for blessing. There's one, uh, eulogia, it means really to give praise or to proclaim that something good has happened. Uh, that's the tangible aspect of blessing. But there's another word for blessing that's a little bit different, okay? And that's found in the Sermon on the Mount, and that's that word, uh, 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 makarios. Makarios is not the tangible. It is the intangible perception of what you think is a blessing. And when you understand both of these concepts, that which is tangible, material, real, that which you possess, or real-time experience, with the perception of blessing, 
which may or may not be what you think blessing is, then you have a fuller understanding of biblical blessing. Now, the way of blessing in the Bible is not only expansive in these two kinds of understanding, both intangible and intangible, the material possession, but also the experience and feeling, the intangible, Blessing in scriptures also is expanded because it has different sort of spheres of blessing. Blessing, all we're going to do with this sermon is blessing to God, to others, to yourself. And then I have a fourth point, a radical blessing, which explodes our mind because it, it winds it in ways we can never imagine. So this is quite a complicated message. So I'm trying to make it as simple as possible with enough application and illustrations for you to understand. But I think you're going to be spiritually uplifted as a result, as I was in studying this concept of blessing. We're going to do it through one book of the Bible, and we're going to look at these usage of these two terms, uh, eulogia and makarios, from the book of First Peter. There are five usages, okay? And they break down, in my observation, into these four spheres. To God, to others, to yourself, and then radical understanding of blessing. First, blessing as it relates to God. Now, this is a very interesting thing because you'd say, why does God need to be blessed? What does that mean? We do something for God? Uh, no, 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 no. This is a tangible blessing. God doesn't need to wish anything upon himself. Blessing as it refers to God is the word, you know, it's, it's the adjective. Um, it's tangible. Let me read you a portion of scripture to help uh, illustrate this point. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, this is really interesting. Really, do we consider that God needs to be blessed, but he is, exists fully in himself. So why does he need something from us? This is interesting. It's an adjective form here of the tangible word for blessing. It is something about God, which we don't wish upon God. It's that which is tangible, which we declare something about God. And what we praise God for or in this translation, bless God for, is not something that it's a state, which is how we kind of think of blessing. Something good happens to us. Let me read you this passage again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We bless God because he has caused those who believe and follow him to be new creations. And I love this wording, to have a living hope. I'm going to read you how I put it here because I don't want to make a mistake. 
the acknowledgement that we can be transformed in this life is how we bless God. See, this is really radical. Blessing God is a realization of what he has done, not for himself, but what he has done for you and me who believe in him. New, new creations. See, oftentimes you say, oh, you know, we bless God by singing praise to him. You know, worship. We have a good worship band. Cornerstone always has a great worship team. Now, I'm not saying that singing worship or music worship is not important. It's very, very important. It's in the Bible to, to uh, give praise, to song to our Lord. But the type of blessing that Peter is talking about transcends the music blessing and the music adoration and worship of God into understanding of what he has done for you and I. We bless God when we understand fully the potential that we have in Christ. It is a living hope today, now. Sometimes we think that being a believer is like, you know, an insurance policy, getting eternal life, you know, so we just, you know, remain the same. No, actually that's not the goal. That is not the way of blessing. The way of blessing here is to understand that all of that which we are when we come to believe in Jesus Christ, in God's desire and his wish, is for us to be better and to be more like his son, Jesus Christ. And the more we realize this, and the more we understand what Christ has given us as potential, the more we bless God. Not just through what we say, but through the lives that we live. You know, some of us have had a difficult time during this period. America, last 18 months, a real time of transition, you know? Health issues. Now some sort of economic issues going on. There's anxiety here. One thing I find in scripture, that God has given us the ability as new creations to begin to overcome the situations that bring us down in life. And that is the purpose of God. And the more you take hold of that, the more you bless God because you trust in the process that he has set for those who follow and believe in him. So we're all finished with the first point, which is uh, how we bless God. In the book of 1 Peter, we then move on to the second point, how we bless other people, which is a different concept because usually in an American or Western understanding of blessing, and it could be Eastern as well, blessing is something that we experience, we get, we possess. Again, I'm not saying that this is not part of the understanding of biblical blessing. Remember, biblical blessing is expansive, bigger than what you ever imagine. So the second point, blessing as it relates to other people. 
I'm going to read you a portion of scripture. It's found in first Peter going through first Peter chapter three. I'm going to read verses eight to 11. It goes like this. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. Now, I'm going to stop right there. On the contrary, bless. And this is the tangible form, but it's in the verb now. But on the contrary, bless, verse 9, for this, <clears throat> for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. This blessing is a noun. Okay. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, what's very interesting this uh, passage is talking about blessing other people when uh, evil is uh, experienced by you from other people or when people actually hurt you by speech, revile you. You don't repay evil for evil, reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, bless. What does that mean? Again, this concept of blessing is how we relate to other people. It's the way of blessing. It's not just what we received. It's how we treat other people. And <clears throat> I need to, to talk a little bit more about this. Sometimes, you know, in, in, in church, you know, we, we, we want to do projects for the city or community to bless them. And, you know, that's really good. You know, uh, it used to be this movement. I don't know if it's still really popular called A Beautiful Day where people uh, in different uh, faith communities with helps the neighborhood clean up schools, you know, help, help uh, tidy up the grounds of public education. Um, I know for myself, I would, I would, I would help out with, uh, I don't know if it's so popular, San Francisco Connect, homeless sort of outreach through the city of San Francisco. I also volunteered a number of times for Habitat for Humanity in uh, a project on border San Francisco Daily City for a number of times, too. You know, these are really good, you know? I'm not saying you don't do these things. But the type of blessing that Paul, uh, Peter is talking about, not Paul, I mean P, P, you know, it's, it's, it's Peter. It goes beyond actions into the concept of reaction. You see, we can do good things for people, for society. Yeah, but the way of blessing that Peter is talking about goes really deep into your heart and soul. He's talking about, do you bless people when they treat you wrong? And for Peter, it says, you know, the way of blessing as it relates to other people. We are a blessing to others when we do not retaliate, but respond with graciousness. This is the one of the hardest aspects of blessing. This is really extensive. This really expands. 
Because we can do blessings for others, strangers, when they're neutral. But to be a blessing for others when they are hurtful is indeed very, very difficult and needs what Peter, uh, not Peter, yeah, Peter says in chapter 1, verse 3, the new creation aspect of our journey with Jesus Christ. Not responding in an abusive way. That is the way of blessing. In my life as a pastor, uh, one of the things I always loved to do was just to sit down and talk to people, talk about their life. And recently I had the opportunity to talk to a a, a man who uh, came to faith in the middle of his life and seemingly had what people in the Bay Area desired. He was a uh, an engineer in a um, startup company uh, a few decades ago, and he came to Christ in the middle of his life. And he told me very frankly that, uh, candidly, that he was a terrible person back then. And I said, how could you be terrible? You had everything that people wanted. You had, you know, you're high tech, you know, you're in the startup, you know, you're married, you have a kid. And he said, you know, I was a terrible person. And he described himself uh, with a word that begins with the letter A. Okay. And he said, you know, when I came to Christ, I treated my wife terribly. I was a terrible person to be around. But he said, once he understood Christ and the gospel, he began to transform. And one of the major ways in his transformation was how he was treating people around him. When I heard his story, I said, this is, this is an amazing transformation. Because many, many people, when they come to faith, they, they, they want this eternal life type of thing, the relationship to God. But they don't know how to relate to other people. And they don't see the transformation that needs to take place as we relate to other people. You know, maybe that's what you need. Maybe that's what we need to respond, not in retaliation. Not that we don't get like, you know, in sort of anger inside, you know, we don't act it out. It's not tit for tat, abuse for abuse. And it's not doing good things for people because you did good to us. Think about it. Maybe this week situation comes by where someone mistreats you. Respond in grace. That is the way of blessing toward other people because you are not giving them back what they deserve. Now, from the blessing toward God and blessing as it relates to other people, we now come to the more classic understanding of blessing, which is blessing as it relates to myself. Okay? And I'm going to read First uh, Peter, because I'm going through the book of First Peter. Uh, I'm going to read you some of the verses that I read, but I'm going to add one. Okay? No, I'm going to read, uh, I'm not going to add one. I'm going, read, I'm going to read some of the ones I just read. Okay? Read verse 9 again from chapter 3 of First Peter. 
do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, that's the verb, that's for others. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Now this is the noun form, to receive something. We go to verse 12. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Blessing for ourselves. How do we get it? First, it really exists. God is not your eternal spiritual killjoy to cause suffering upon people. He wants to give blessing to those who follow him. But in order to receive this blessing or to be the conduit of this blessing, what we do, okay, it's more than just simply prayer. No, it's more than asking. I'm not saying you don't pray. I'm not saying you don't ask. But what I'm saying is that blessing as it relates to you and I, to me, to myself, which is real, which God wants to do. It's relating, related to following Jesus, to grow in transformation, to become more like him, to follow him, you know? That's a really interesting thing. The way of blessing for yourself isn't going to some mountain, you know, and getting someone. It's not finding a holy man to put his hands on your head, you know. The receiving of the blessing in terms of the long journey is the more that you live your life in accordance to what Jesus Christ would want us to become, the more you see God's hand upon your life. Here, I wrote this. When we are blessed by God, we will see his hand as we journey through life. This is really hard. And part of this understanding is a deconstruction of what we think blessing is. Because this is a blessing in growing by not responding evil for evil or reviling for reviling. And the more you're on this path, <clears throat> the more you will understand the hand of God that he was in your life. Now, I was a, I became a Christian when I was seven years old in New York City. And I'm not saying my life was easy. I left New York, didn't have much money. I got married when I was 21, didn't know much about marriage or about child rearing. Lived in different parts of the United States, traveled, left my family, lived from New York to Texas to Illinois, and now I'm in California. Didn't always have a lot of money. Suffer from ill health. And like most ministers in service for our Lord, we got our share of lumps from people we ministered to. Sometimes really harsh. Sometimes it was really hurtful. And so 
I've been a Christian since I was seven. I am 65. 58 years. I went to seminary when I was 21. I am 65. 44 years in preparation or ministry, and I'm going to continue to do ministry. Not always been easy, but I have been blessed beyond imagination because my wife and I have seen the hand of God work in our lives in situations in the ups and downs. Four and a half decades. And I got to tell you, it's been worth it, even though it takes a long time. I realize that the things that I experience, that I learn, the fact that I'm doing ministry at 65 and have this new sort of uh, ministry tie with uh, you people at Cornerstone is indeed a blessing, okay? It's the hand of God, you know? And every ministry opportunity I've come, I've never written the resume for any of them because God would open doors. The fact that my daughters and my grandchildren live or will live close to us is a blessing. But it's because you believe in the process and it takes a long time. But the process is follow Jesus, try to do what he would want you to be. And you're not perfect. We're not perfect. But you're in the game and you're growing. Perhaps that's what you need to do. Be in this program of blessing in this life and understand and experience the hand of God upon your life. From blessing toward God to blessing toward others, to blessing to myself, comes the most radical understanding of blessing, which is the fourth one, the radical understanding of blessing. And with this radical understanding of blessing comes, um, hmm, how do I say? A change of word to Makarios in 1 Peter. It's not the tangible blessing, that which we actually experience or have, but comes to this word that is more intangible more about perception of what blessing is. Greek term, as I mentioned, makarios, it's the one that is used in Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, and it is used twice in the book of 1 Peter. Let me read you these verses for this final point, radical understanding of blessing. Verse 14 of 1 Peter chapter 3, and then chapter 4, uh, verse, uh, let's go with uh, 12 to 14. First chapter 3, verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. 
Now, this blessing is not the tangible Eulogia family. It's the Macarius family, the perception of blessing. Because actually suffering is not the tangible blessing. It's not the end. God wants to relieve us of suffering. That's why he's going to come again. That's why there's a new heaven and new earth. That's why there's a resurrected body. But the perception of blessing, that which is intangible, comes in the midst when you suffer for righteousness sake and something turns on that that is a mind change, that that is a blessing within itself, not in the tangible, because the tangible blessing is that it's not there, but it's the intangible, that it's part of the process that God is having us go through and journey through life. Chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Now there's that word again, term blessed. Again, it's makarios. It's the perception. It's the intangible because the actual experience is unblessing. But the perception of it is blessing. Let me read that verse 14 again and finish it. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. This is the most radical understanding of blessing. Perceived blessing in the midst of experiential unblessing. That's actually the hardest thing to do. And I wrote here, the most radical shift is to see that doing what is right at the bad moments are a blessing. Hardest thing to do. Let me give you an example, perhaps an illustration. Uh, one of the people that I like to hear and read is uh, Tim Keller. And Tim Keller once said this. I was, in a, I was a founding member of the Gospel Coalition, and the end was so back then it was really small, about 30, 40 pastors, it had to be very big early meetings. And he said something like this. In general, the unbelieving world should love what we do, we as believers. But they should dislike what we say. And that phrase he gave, or that saying, stuck with me, and I probably heard it 15, 20 years ago. The world should love what we do but there will be things that they hate what we say. And this is the hardest thing. You see, the hardest thing. 
Some Christians want to like, oh, I hate, they hate what I say. They hate what I do. That's not what Jesus is trying to say. That's not the way of radical blessing. Other Christians would live by this uh, uh, sort of motto. They love what we do and they love what I say. You know, you're just a people pleaser. That's not the way of blessing. The heart is radical. They love what you do because you are acting in a general graciousness, not retaliating the way that other people normally respond. You don't retaliate. You act graciously. But here's the twist. They still revile you. Why? I'm doing what they want me to do. Yeah. Because something about what you say is still going to rub them the wrong way. Love what you do. It's going to, they will be irritated by some of the things you say. I'll always remember that because it's the last lesson that generally we need to learn as believers. And the flack that we get, not because of our behavior, but because of what we say, that itself is a blessing. What? Blessing is to be at peace with all people. No, blessing is not retaliating when you want to hit them in the face because they insulted you and mistreated you. So maybe you just walk away. Yeah. But truth is truth. And we stand up for Christ. And there are plenty of things that this society and this world, Christianity, rub, will rub them the wrong way. Sometimes I wonder, you know, is Jesus woke? Paul woke, is Peter woke? In one sense, they say things graciously. In one way, they do things graciously. But in another way, uh, they are not completely woke people. Jesus would feed the 5,000. He would heal anyone who wanted him to be healed in faith in him. And then they would crucify him. They would insult him. They would mock him. Paul would be arrested. It's a very, very interesting life. We need as believers to have this radical blessing because it really strengthens us in the inner person. They will love what we do, but they will hate what we say. Think about this. Maybe that's what we need to be. Let the new creation of Jesus Christ transform us from the inside out actions for others it is to stand up for the truth and to bear the consequences of it
And with that, all the usages of blessing are covered in the book of 1 Peter. It's beautiful. It expands what we think blessing is from our Western or human perception. It transforms us. And the more you understand this, the more you'll be drawn in and have a deeper and greater love for our Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ. It will uplift you. It will encourage you. It will transform you. Let me end in a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends at Cornerstone Church and those who are listening in through video. May you transform us into this way of blessing. Allow us, Lord, to be a reflection of your grace to an unbelieving world. For we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Give me words to praise you and love to love you. But it has to be you.
What a blessing to be able to rejoice in the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, the Lord showed us the way. He, he, made, he created a path for us. He gave himself for us. Jesus poured out his life so that we might have life in his name. But he also showed us and modeled for us the way of blessing, both in relation to how to live a life of blessing with Father God, how to live a life of blessing with others, and of course, how to live the life of blessing with ourselves, the things that we've been sitting with. The love of God at work in our lives produces so much good. And I think we understand that we live in these really difficult and challenging times and we're not quite done with them. I don't know if we'll ever be completely done with them, but I hope this particular season that we've all been walking through will come to a close soon. But in the meantime, we're making this journey together and I'm so thankful to be able to make it with you. And my prayer is that the Lord would keep you. It really is. He would keep you in every way, that he would bless you and that you in turn would be a blessing. Sometimes it's when we bless that we get blessed. And sometimes it's because we see ourselves as one blessed that we are able to bless. But I pray that his love would just dwell supremely in your life. He would keep you in every way, in your spirit, in your body, in your soul, in your mind, that you would never forget how loved you are because he's so good and he's so God. And he really does want us to touch others out of the security of that, that goodness at work in our lives. So Lord, even now I pray the blessing over my brothers and sisters as we go into the rest of this day, the rest of this week. Yes, I do, in Jesus' name.